if you guys have your copy of the Word of God, if you would go ahead and make your way to the book of First Chronicles. First Chronicles chapter 28, remaining in our Scared to Death series, we're pulling loose from the grip of fear in our lives. At least I hope that's what we have been doing over the past couple of weeks. And as we get into tonight's message, you know, I, I keep going back to this rope analogy because I believe it is such an adequate depiction of how fear grips our lives. This rope, if you can tell, it's got a lot of strands to it. And that's one of the reasons why it's so strong. The more strands that a rope has, the stronger it makes that rope. And fear is kind of like that in the same way in that it has a lot of different strands to it. Fear as a whole can be singular, but when you begin to look at fear, it can have many different strands. And when those different strands get woven all throughout our lives, that can make a strong bondage for us to try and pull loose from. But if you begin to take these individual strands of this rope and you begin to pull them apart one by one, then gradually that rope becomes a lot weaker. And the more strands you pull apart, the weaker that rope gets. And it makes it a lot easier to break. It makes it a lot easier for you to pull loose from. Well, in the same way, we're treating fear like that. We're going to take each strand week by week and we're pulling individual strands of fear out of our lives with the hopes that it loosens its grip upon us so we can break free from the bondage of fear that is set up in some of our lives in some different areas. And so tonight we're going to pull apart another strand, and I feel like God's led us to First Chronicles chapter 28 in order to do that. And we're going to start in verse 9, and God's Word says this, And you, Solomon, my son, know the God of your father, and serve him with a whole heart and with a willing Mind. So this is King David, the king of Israel, speaking to his son Solomon. For the Lord searches all hearts and understands every plan and thought. If you seek him, he will be found by you. But if you forsake him, he will cast you off forever. Be careful now, for the Lord has chosen you to build a house for the sanctuary. Be strong and do it. Then David gave Solomon his son the plan of the vestibule of the temple and of its houses, its treasuries, its upper rooms, and its inner chambers. And of the room for the mercy seat, and the plan of all that he had in mind for the courts of the house of the Lord, all the surrounding chambers, the treasuries of the house of God, and the treasuries for dedicated gifts, for the divisions of the priests and of the Levites, and all the work of the service in the house of the Lord, for all the vessels for the service in the house of the Lord, the weight of gold for all golden vessels for each service, the weight of silver vessels for each service, the weight of the golden lampstands and their lamps, the weight of gold for each lampstand and its lamps, the weight of silver for a lampstand and its lamps, according to the use of each lampstand in the service, the weight of gold for each table, for the showbread, the silver, for the silver tables, and pure gold for the forks, the basins, and the cups, for the golden bowls and the weight of each, for the silver bowls and the weight of each, for the altar of incense made of refined gold and its weight. Also is planned for the golden chariot of the cherubim that spread their wings and covered the ark of the covenant of the Lord. All this he made clear to me in writing from the hand of the Lord, all the work to be done according to the plan. And then David said to Solomon, his son, be strong and courageous and do it. Do not be afraid and do not be dismayed, for the Lord God, even my God, is with you. He will not leave you or forsake you until all the work for the service of the house of the Lord is finished. And behold, the divisions of the priests and the Levites for all the service of the house of God and with you in all the work will be every willing man who has skill for any kind of service. Also the officers and all the people will be holy 
at your command. So over the next few moments, we're going to pull out our fear of failure. Our fear of failure. That's the next strand of fear that's getting woven into our lives in different ways that we're going to pull out together to hopefully loosen its grip. Our fear of failure. Tell someone beside you, do not fear. Do not fear. Do not fear. Do not fear. Time and time again, we see this being mentioned throughout Scripture. So it's obvious that God does not want us living our lives here on this earth full of fear, full of stress, full of anxiety. Perhaps my greatest fear, or the one that I battle the most, is the fear of failure. To me, failure translates as disappointment. And so, in other words, to fail is to disappoint. And so I'm scared to death to fail or disappoint as a husband to my wife. I'm scared to death at times to fail or to disappoint as a dad to my son. I'm scared to death at times to fail or to disappoint as a son to my parents. I'm scared to fail or to disappoint as a pastor to you guys or as a leader within the church that God has placed me in. I'm scared to fail or disappoint at times even as a follower of Jesus. I'm afraid of letting my Savior down by my actions or my deeds or my words or my plans or my desires or my passions. This fear hits home for me in a real way because I really do have a strong fear of failure. In the passage that we just read, King David is near the end of his life and so he's making preparations for Solomon, his son, to take his place. And what we see is that God has called Solomon into a special task, and that was to build the temple. In chapter 29, which we didn't get into, actually describes Solomon as being young and inexperienced at this time in his life, and yet he has been given the responsibility of building the temple of God. Now, just imagine being handed that responsibility. Some of us get overwhelmed by fear of failure by just the trivial of task that get handed down to us. Imagine God choosing you in your youth and in your inexperience to be the one that's going to build the place that his presence is going to come down and indwell. Solomon at this point in his life is primed for the fear of failure to grip him and become a crippling effect in his life. I mean, I can imagine some of the thoughts that went through his mind as he begins to realize this is the task that God has chosen him for. Number one, what if he let his dad down? King David was the most well-known king that Israel ever had. I mean, he was the guy. Like, when you think of kings of Israel, you think of King David. What if he let his dad down? What if he couldn't live up to the name? What if he couldn't live up or above or come out of David's shadow that had been cast in such a great way over the nation and the way in which he ruled. Now David had his shortcomings for sure, but he was a man after God's own heart, so called by God. Now imagine trying to, to live up to that. I'm sure he thought, what if I let my dad down? On top of that, what if I let the nation down? I mean, he's in charge of leading a nation of people in following God's service and honoring him with their lives. What if he let them down? On top of all that, what if he let God himself down? And we're all talking about the responsibility of Solomon building God's temple. So I'm sure it ran through his mind, what if I mess something up? What if I let God down? I just told you guys I'm scared to fail as a husband. 
I'm scared at times to fail as a dad. I'm scared at times to fail as a son, as a pastor, as a follower of Christ. And I think a lot of you have a fear of failure too, whether that be in academics or whether that be in your job or whether that be in a future career or a future relationship. You're scared to disappoint your parents. You're scared to disappoint your friends. You're scared to fail yourself even. Knowing that you're called by God to a specific task, but afraid that when it comes down to it, you'll end up letting Him down as well. So how do we deal with and remove our fear of failure? Well, that's what I want to hopefully show you in the next few moments. And can I just give you this little, this little tidbit as we get started tonight? Nothing relieves fear like the Word of God. Nothing relieves fear like the Word of God. My encouragement to you is if you're going through a time of fear in your life, if you're going through a time of worry, if you're going through a time of stress, if you're going through a time of anxiety, get alone with the Word of God and just start reading. Nothing relieves your fear. Nothing will relieve your stress. Nothing will relieve your anxiety better than the Word of God. Tell somebody else again next to you, do not fear. Do not fear. Do not fear. Do not fear. Let's start out by understanding Something in particular that when it comes to overcoming our fear of failure, when it comes to having that removed out of our lives, I think it's important that each of us understand you've been chosen for the job. You've been chosen for the job. Go back and look at verse 10 with me real quick. The Word of God says that David encouraged Solomon to be careful for the Lord has chosen you to build a house for the sanctuary. Be strong and do it. Understand that you have been chosen for the job. Everybody say chosen. You've been chosen for the job. It's made explicitly clear to us at the beginning that God chose Solomon for this specific job. In the same way, each and every one of us as believers have been chosen by God for a specific job. Ephesians 2.10 2, says that in Christ we have been created for good works that we should walk in them. So every one of us as believers have been chosen by God for a specific job. Now, in general terms, that job is to make His glory and His gospel known throughout the world. But we're chosen to do that specifically as doctors, as nurses, as lawyers, as teachers, as coaches, as engineers, as electricians, as grocery store baggers, as pastors, as missionaries, on and on and on we go. So we all have the same general job. That's to make the gospel known throughout the world. But we do that in specific settings that God calls us to, each and every one of us individually. So Solomon's been chosen. I've been chosen. You guys have been chosen for your own specific jobs, which I want to step away for a moment and add this to this point, which are always subject to change at any moment. I think it's important that you guys understand, especially at this age of your life, where you're trying to figure out exactly what path it is that God has set out for you to travel down. I always had this understanding when I was at your age that, that God had this one specific path that I had to do my best to find in order to go down it to honor Him with my life. That's not true. Your path can be changed by God at any given moment in your life. 
Now, I believe He set me on a certain path to be here where I'm at right now doing exactly what I'm doing, but that's not to say that five, six, seven, ten years down the road He could change that completely and lead me into something else. So don't think that there's one specific thing God has set in store for you that you have got to find, and anything other than that would be disobedient and against His will. God has a plan. God has a path for your life. You've been chosen for a specific job, but that job can change at any moment. Some of you feel like God has called you to be a teacher. You might do that for five years, and all of a sudden, God changes the direction of your path. That can happen, and it's perfectly okay if he does so. David says something at the end of verse 10 that I need you to see. Solomon's been chosen for the specific task of building the temple. But what David says at the end of verse 10 is something that I need you to take notice of. He tells Solomon, be strong and do it. God has chosen you to build the temple. Be strong and do it. There's a large group of people that have been redeemed by Jesus, born again into the kingdom of God. But because of their fear of failure... They've fallen into a category that I call chosen but frozen. They're chosen but they're frozen because of their fear of failure. You know God has called you into something specific like Solomon. You've got a pretty good handle. You've got a pretty good grasp on what God has set you apart to do. You've got a pretty good handle on navigating the path that he has put in front of you, but for whatever reason, specifically because of your fear of failure, possibly, you are frozen in place. You won't move. You're scared to move. Your fear of failure has you frozen. One of my best friends that I spent a lot of time at his house, they, they lived on a farm and they had all kinds of different animals. And so I used to love going out there because it was always entertaining. You know, you would play with the chickens and play with the cows, and they had this one bull that, you know, being dumb little boys would go out in the pasture and throw rocks at and try and get it to chase us. You know, I don't know why little boys do dumb stuff like that. I hope and pray to God that Graham doesn't go out into a pasture one day and throw rocks at a bull like I did. But one specific, they had one specific animal that was my favorite, and they were myotonic goats. Or better known as fainting goats. Are y'all familiar? Have any of you been around fainting goats? They're hilarious. Because if one little thing startles them or catches them by surprise or off guard, their defense mechanism, if you want to call it that, is to stiffen up like a board and literally just fall over. And so they had these fainting goats, and we would sneak up on them. They had some trees in the pen that they were at, and we would sneak up on them, and then all of a sudden we would just take off running and screaming and yelling at them. And they would run for about four or five steps, and then they would just like lock up and completely fall over. It was hilarious. Like I can still see it in my mind, chasing these silly goats, and then getting so overcome by fear that they couldn't do anything else. So they just locked up, literally their muscles lock up, and they would fall over, and they would stay that way for a few seconds, Eventually, everything would loosen up and they'd get back up again. I think a lot of us are the same way because of our fear of failure. God has called you into something specific, and you're doing your best to follow that. But then the moment something unexpected, the moment something takes you by surprise, the moment something out of the ordinary steps into your path, you lock up and you freeze, and then you faint, and then you fall over. God has 
called you, just like David says to Solomon here, God has called you to build the sanctuary. God has called some of you to some specific things, and you know without a doubt what that thing is right now. Be strong and do it. Don't freeze up. Don't lock up. Don't faint because something unexpected or something takes you by surprise or something out of the ordinary jumps out in front of you. You're chosen. Just don't be frozen. Be strong and do it. Don't lock up. You know, most often when an employer hires someone, it's because they've seen within that person a a capability to do that particular job well. In the same sense, God has chosen you for a job that He knows As your creator, you have the capability through him to do particularly well. Otherwise, he wouldn't have chosen you for that specific task. It's not that God sees within us anything special, but he knows who you are. He knows your personality. He knows your strengths. He knows your weaknesses better than anyone else does. And when he sets a specific path in front of you and gives you a specific task, it's because he knows that through him you are beyond capable to fulfill that in a great and mighty way for his glory. Be strong and do it. You've been chosen for the job. But then we also drive back this fear of failure because we're given the assurance that there's a plan in place. So it's not just that we've been chosen for the job, it's that we know there's a plan in place. Go back and look at verse 11. Then David gave Solomon his son the plan of the vestibule of the temple. Everybody say plan. There is a plan in place. I believe one of the greatest ways that God helps us combat our panic is by letting us know there's a plan. I'll say it one more time. I think one of the greatest ways that God helps us combat our panic is by letting us know that there's a plan. Most people with this particular fear, most people that struggle with a fear of failure are, for the most part, planners. Why? Because having plans makes you feel better about your likelihood to be successful in whatever it is that you're doing. And so most people that struggle with a fear of failure your planners for the most part. Solomon knows what he's been chosen by God to do. And as overwhelming of a job, as overwhelming as a task as that seems to be, David lets him know that there's a plan in place. And these plans aren't vague either. They're extremely detailed. I know it might have seemed a little bit senseless when we were reading through that passage through like verses 11 through 20 where it talks about all the different weight of all the different gold and silver items that were to be put inside of the temple. But that's how detailed the plan was. And for those of us that struggle with a fear of failure, one of the greatest ways to relieve that fear is to realize that we've got a plan to go by. It's to realize that God doesn't leave things undetailed. It's to understand that God doesn't place us inside of a situation and then just leave us to fend for ourselves and figure it out on our own. There is a plan in place and that's one of the ways in which he removes our fear of failure in Jeremiah chapter 29 and verse 11 and for every single one of you that have ever been to a senior graduation service in a church I promise you you know this verse but it doesn't take away from the significance of it it says that I know for I know the plans that I have for you Proverbs 16 3 says commit your work to the Lord and your plans will be established. Proverbs 16, 9, the heart of a man plans his way, but the Lord establishes 
his steps. Most times, God chooses not to reveal the plan in its fullness, though. So I think it's important that we understand that there's a plan in place, but that doesn't necessarily mean that you will have all the fullness of that plan revealed to you all at once as you move into whatever it is that God has chosen you to move into. But that doesn't mean that the plan isn't there. That doesn't mean that the plan is non-existent. Because look at verse 19. We skip down quite a ways. And after David shares the detailed plans of all the things that are supposed to go into God's temple, he says this, All this he made clear to me. This is David speaking to Solomon. And when he says, all this he made clear to me, David's saying, all of this stuff that I've just told you, these plans that I've shared with you, are things that God made clear to me. All this he made clear to me in writing from the hand of the Lord, all the work to be done according to the plan. In his perfect timing, God will make it clear to you. He may not always choose to reveal every single step of the plan, all at once when he chooses you to do something specific. But you have to trust that in his perfect timing, just like he did with Solomon, he will make it clear to you. God is not a God of confusion for his people. When he lays out a plan, it's extremely intricate and it's extremely detailed for the course of your life. And he's not going to let you wander around in a state of confusion trying to feel your way around and figure it out on your own. And just because he keeps parts of it hidden doesn't mean it's not his desire for you to ever know it. That's why you have to trust and by faith believe that in his perfect timing, he will make it clear. Just don't rush ahead of the plan. Here in the Old Testament, we have Solomon building the temple, but in the New Testament, we're told that our bodies are a temple, and God drew blueprints for both. God gives the blueprints of the temple to Solomon in the Old Testament. In the same way in the New Testament, our bodies are referred to as a temple of God, and he drew blueprints for you as well. He has a specific design. He has a specific plan in place. So if you fear failure you can at least have peace in the plan. One other aspect that God makes known to us here in this passage, though, that helps drive back our fear of failure is the fact that God's in it, so you can win it. I know that sounds a little cliche or dumb or prosperity type stuff, but it's nothing like that. And I kind of wrestled around with the wording of this back and forth because in the day that we live in, in our culture, there are so many pastors out there that push and push and push health, wealth, prosperity, name it, claim it kind of stuff that unfortunately it rubs off onto us in the sense that we believe that, that no blessing can come from God, that it's not God's desire for us to have anything good, that it's not God's desire for us to experience blessing or anything like that. And that's simply not the case. God's in this so you can win it. Go back to verse 20. David said to Solomon his son, Be strong and courageous and do it. Do not be afraid and do not be dismayed. For the Lord God, even my God, is with you. He will not leave you or forsake you until all the work for the service of the house of the Lord is finished. So after David let Solomon know about the plans that he has to follow, 
He once again tells him to be strong and do it. Then he encourages him with the truth that God will be with him the entire time. So from the moment, the very first moment, the first shovel breaks dirt on building ground for the temple, God will be with Solomon all the way until the last brick being laid. God is with you. Do not fear. Do not be dismayed. He will be with you until the work is finished. Let me. God is a finisher. Do y'all realize that? God is a finisher. At, at, on the first day, he started creation, but on the seventh day, he finished it. When Jesus hung on the cross with his last dying breath, he cried out, what? It is finished. In the book of Revelation that we read from earlier as we were getting the service started tonight, God says, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. Paul wrote in Philippians chapter 1 and verse 6 that he is confident that he who began a good work in you through his son Jesus will do what? Bring it to completion. God is a finisher. And because God was with Solomon in the work, he didn't need to worry about failing. There's your encouragement. There's your confidence. Because God has chosen you for something specific. You can take assurance in the fact that He will be with you in that work. And if God is with you in that work, then there is no reason for you to fear failure in that work. When you commit to following God with the fullness of your heart, you don't have to fear failure. When you commit to following God with the fullness of your heart, you don't have to fear failure. Now hear me say this. I'm not saying you won't encounter some losses or some setbacks along the way. I'm not saying that there won't be hard or difficult times. But when you commit the fullness of your heart to following God's plan for your life, you don't have to fear failure. God did not redeem us through His Son and give us a new identity with an eternal purpose so we could be failures. When I looked through God's Word and I began to see all the things that He calls us in Him, the fact that we are a new creation, the fact that we have been redeemed, the fact that we have been restored, the fact that we have been adopted, the fact that we have been chosen, and the fact that we have been set free from the bondages of our past to walk in a newness of life in Him. The fact that we were objects of wrath, but we are now children of light. All these things that I see God stamp onto us as His sons and His daughters and the identity that He gives us, nowhere in the midst of all that do I see failure anywhere. God does not label His sons and His daughters as failures. So that gives me confidence in the fact that God is in it so that you can win it. You don't have to fear failure. He will not leave you or forsake you. could also be translated as he will never fail you. Be strong and do it. Don't fear failure because God's at work in it. And then lastly, the way in which God helps us drive back the fear of failure in our life is by Showing us the fact that you have a support system in place. You have a support system. Go and look at verse 21 with me. It says, And behold, the divisions of the priests and the Levites 
for all the service of the house of God. And with you in all the work will be every willing man who has skill for any kind of service. Also, the officers and all the people will be holy at your command. So on top of everything else that Solomon has been shown, David lets him know that he will also be surrounded by support. God would provide people to help him in his task. And one thing I've learned throughout my short experience in this life is that God has a way of surrounding you with support when you pursue after his calling. When Moses felt like he was going to be all alone in addressing Pharaoh and leading God's people out of Egypt, Moses provided Aaron, or God provided Aaron. When Paul felt like he was all alone after giving his life to Christ and trying to convince people that he was no longer a, a persecutor of the church, but a proclaimer of the gospel, and nobody would give him any credit. Nobody would believe that Jesus had done this miraculous work in his life. God gave Paul Barnabas. When God anointed David, the guy that we've been seeing talk to his son Solomon as king at a young age, no one was in David's corner. His brothers became jealous of him. They will not have anything to do with him. His dad thought it was a weird joke that God was playing. The king before him, Saul, tried to take him out, literally kill him. When David had nobody, God provided Jonathan. I've seen this at work in my own life as well. Knowing that God had called me to something specific, and committing my life to follow after that very thing that he called me to and wondering what it was going to be like and how I was going to be able to pursue it and faithfully serve in that area in which he had called me. God began to fill my life with a support system through friends that gave me encouragement, through a family member that supported me in my decisions, through blessing me with a wife that faithfully stands beside me in the ministry that God has call me to, but also placing me within the context of his body, the church, with other believers that provide support and encouragement in my life when I need it the most to continue pursuing the calling that God has placed upon my life. And the same is true in your life as well. When God calls you to something, you will be surprised at the support system that he will provide along the way. So don't ever think that you're going to be alone in the specific calling or the specific task that God has given you. God wanted Solomon to be sure and know that I've got people in your corner. I know this seems like a massive job. I know it seems beyond anything that you have the capability to fulfill. But I will put people in your life that will help you accomplish this task. Solomon probably didn't have any idea how to fashion an item from gold. But he says, I'll give you people that will. Solomon might not have known anything about carpentry or how to build a foundation or how to raise support beams. But God says, I will provide people that know how to do that. Solomon might not have any idea how to drive a nail, but God says, I will give you people that can do that. And the same will be true in your life as well. If you commit with the fullness of your heart to follow the calling God has placed upon your life, He will place a support system around you of people that will help you pursue and stay in that calling that God has given you. I've seen it be true in my life, and I know it will be true in yours as well. 
God will raise up people around you to give you support. So why fear failure if you know you're not going to be alone? If you know God has placed a support system within your life? I was gone on a fishing trip a couple of years ago. And I was actually out by myself that particular day fishing. And I was fishing close to some docks that were out on the lake. And I made a bad cast. And my bait got hung on the dock. And it was this old, just beat-up, janky-looking wooden pier that really would have served better as firewood than as somebody's dock. But my bait got all hung up on it, and I couldn't get it off. So, you know, it was a fairly expensive bait, and I didn't want to lose it. And so I took the boat over there to the pier, and I was going to get out on the pier, and I was going to walk across it to get my bait back. And, you know, I knew the pier wasn't in best of shape, and some of the boards looked like they were about to fall through at any moment. And, you know, as hard as it is for me to admit it, I'm not the skinniest of guys anymore, maybe at one time, but pretty hefty fella now, and so I knew better than to get out and just walk right down the middle of the boards. So on this pier, you have the boards laid across horizontally, but underneath it, there were three support beams. And so when I got out on the pier, I made sure to do my best to try and stay on that middle support beam that ran down the middle of the dock. But as I got closer to my bait, it was kind of in the middle, and so I had to get closer to it. And so I took one foot out into the middle, and I was reaching, and I had one foot on the support beam as well. And sure enough, as I'm reaching for my bait, pier begins to crack. Boom, my whole right leg goes through the middle of it. Unfortunately, I had enough weight on my left leg that when I fell, it sat down on that support beam and was able to still hold me up instead of me ending up in the lake. This is why God places a support system within our life. It's knowing that there are going to be times when you pursue his calling. And along the way, you might have a stumble. Along the way, you might have a fall through. But God knows the importance of having brothers and sisters in our lives that are there to help us regain our balance and keep us on our feet. That's why this community is so important. That's why the context of the church is so extremely important. It is not God's desire that you go at it as a lone gun. He places people in your life as a support system to help you pursue that which he has called you into so that when you do have a slip-up, so that when you do have a trip, it doesn't turn into an all-out failure. If there's one thing that I know for sure as we finish up tonight, it's that it's not the desire of a victorious, triumphant God to have his people live in a state of fear over failure. So don't let it dominate your life. Pull that strand loose, weaken its grip, and then by the power of God at work in you, break free from it. And don't fear failure anymore. Hey, this is Trey Mitchell, college and young adult pastor. I just wanted to say thank you for listening. It's our prayer that God uses these messages in a way that challenge and encourage you to live for his glory. If you've never placed your faith in Jesus as your Savior, we would love to help you with making that decision. Just reach out to us through our webpage at underwoodbaptist.org. Be sure to check back in with us next week as we again encounter God through His Word here at Life.